Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Our Hometown. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Kristen... Rathai. Rathai. I told you I was going to butcher it. <laughs> Not that great. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Oh, coming off night shifts. Oh. A few hours of sleep. You know, trying to be somewhat professional and not drop a bunch of F-bombs today, so we'll see how it goes. Keep them to a minimum, right? I'll try. <laughs> Can't guarantee nothing. So, I uh, asked you to come on this podcast because I I, well, I've, I met you through Facebook, and I followed you in uh, seeing some of the things that you're doing with the community and seeing how the, our hometown, I like to talk about Gillette and Campbell County. So, <coughs> I understand you own a bowling alley. Or you're part of a bowling alley, correct? Yes. Yeah, my husband and I bought uh, the land and building together, and we worked out a deal um, to rent out the bowling alley to my husband, and he runs it. However, I help him support it a mm -hmm. lot. Like we, uh, oh, I didn't bowl before my husband, and when he shared this love with me, I was always I liked pool tables. So when he shared this love with me, um, I kind of just dove right in. Like, it's yeah. all or nothing with me. So when he bought it, I was like, yeah, this is your business. But it takes so much. Mm -hmm. Like, he he deserves the support, for That's sure. That's awesome. Because every time I drive by there, it's packed. Yeah. That's awesome. Before we have completely remodeled it, um, tore it apart, resurrected it, restructured it, mm -hmm. put in a cool golf simulator in Seen it. That. Like, we've just... We wanted something nice for the community. The Heck community yeah. deserves nice things here. And it, and it shows that the community supported it, too. Yeah, the community loves it. I think that's what needed to happen. Let's bring it out of the 90s, right. and let's bring it up in technology. Let's bring it up in looks, aesthetics, service. Like, what do we like to do? We are the, the new generation coming up. Mm -hmm. Let's invest in it and make it cool and right. make family fun something again. Like, dad doesn't have to go to the bar and mom at home. Right. Let's take the whole family out. So what uh, exactly are you guys tied into with the youth that the youth program that you have? Um, so our youth program is every Saturday morning. We do our little kids starting at three years old to, I want to say it's about eight, and that is at 9 a.m., mm -hmm. And they play one game with bumpers. Um, and the little kids, I want to say up to five, they play with bumpers. It's one game. The bigger kids, a little bit, they play two games um, without bumpers. And then 10.30 to 11 o'clock, um, we have check-in for our big kids. And I call big kids. They're like 12 years old to 18. Oh, wow. And um, that's our bigger shift, our big kids. Mm -hmm. um, kids start to really embrace what they want to do about that age they start to flower out and say hey i, I want to try something new mm -hmm. and so that's our bigger set um they love to our we love to get involved with them we have all sorts of training for them they play three games that second shift um wow they yeah and some of these kids so they don't just bowl to bowl Every time they bowl, they're accumulating scholarship money. Oh, wow. And that's put into like a national account that's saved for them. And so as long as they bowl, they can use that money for any college, trade school, or pre-professional program they want. Oh, that's awesome. Anywhere in the country. We've got one kid this Saturday who he has signed with Clark, and he's going on a full-ride bowling scholarship. 
Holy cow. Yeah. So, That's yeah, crazy. it's really cool. And then our youth director is amazing. She does a tour. Um, so her tour is all around Wyoming. She's starting to dip into Montana and South Dakota with her Wyoming Junior Bowlers Tour. It's backed by Storm, which is a big bowling company. Mm -hmm. She gives out, well, last year she gave out $16,000 worth in scholarship money to all these kids who travel around to all these different towns once a month. And they they shoot on a sport sport shot pattern. What does that mean? So that's like what your pros shoot on. Okay. So they're getting... they're getting experience in the world of of bowling other than just house shots. They're getting challenged. And that takes their mark from like 12 inches down to like 2 inches, oh. if that makes sense. Like yeah. they have to hit the same two boards every time and make adjustments. So it makes them better bowlers. Well, and it, make, it pushes them to like really hone in on a craft. Yes, and competing. They're yeah. getting into the competition world then. And that's where she's really finding a lot of support nationally. And these kids are starting to get some real exposure out of just little bitty Wyoming, the, you know, the little Mm. Midwest that we are. So. So I guess you said that you didn't really have a whole lot to do with bowling before your husband and yourself bought the energy lanes, right? Before you met your husband, I guess you, because he's a bowler, right? Yeah. He's bowled since he was 12. So I, so (coughs) What did you say when he came to you and said, I want to buy the bowling alley? Because <laughs> I, I know it was a oh. him thing. It's <laughs> like when I tell Sarah, that, like, my wife, that, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And she's just like, cool, you know, I'm, I'm right mm-hmm. here for you. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, so, yeah, we didn't, I didn't bowl before him. He got me into bowling our second year together, and we bowled for a while. Um, and I loved it. I started winning tournaments. I started having fun and that's what it's about having fun. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I had our child and he was traveling a lot for work. Um, and he was little bitty when he was traveling. And Mm -hmm. so he really hated his job. He took a pay cut, went to a different company about a year of that. He hated that. And he looked into his veterans benefits and said, Hey, I'm going to go back to school. Okay, we get him all signed up for college courses and stuff. His VA benefits was going to pay like a little a little bit a month to help our family. So mm-hmm. he could, you know, I could support him pursuing his accounting dream. Okay, let's do it. That's that's a crazy dream. I want to be an accountant. <laughs> yep, my husband loves numbers. So first day of school, no, back up. Two weeks before school starts, we're driving past the bowling alley going south somewhere. And he says, you know, if that piece of poop ever comes up for sale again, I want to take everything we got and run at it. And I giggled. I'm like, sure, honey. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yep. All right. Let's focus on school first. First day of school, we walk in and he grabs his balls and we're going to have some lunch there. And um, he has to go bowl at the other bowling alley that night it's a monday Mm -hmm. so he grabs his balls there and we bowl friday night out there so he's grabbing his balls the owners come over want to have lunch with us and have a conversation well they wanted to buy a house with me and they were going to list this property with another agent 
And I looked at my husband and I said, well, do you still want to own a bowling alley? And he didn't just say yes. He said, F yes. Like, yes, I do. You can can say fuck yeah. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) he's just, I'm fluent in sailor, but he's just, he wanted to go all in. He wanted to jump all into it. And I'm like, well, I come from small business. Mm -hmm. I was a waitress, a bartender, a cocktail waitress forever, lived the bar and restaurant life. So at least I had a little bit of backing for him to not, if you break down a bowling alley, it's five, six different businesses inside right. of one. And you have to have support where needed. Right. So that's where I was like, I will support you. I will help you in the bar and kitchen area for sure. And marketing and sales and just helping you get your name out there. Mm-hmm. And he's all about bowling. Loves yeah. bowling. Dove into the pro shop, drilling balls. Like He has completely blossomed and he loves it. That's awesome. That is, uh, I guess here, it, that's a perfect, uh, that this is your sign is what you guys need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Did you actually sell them the house? No, 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 oh. nope. They moved over to Newcastle somewhere. Huh. So I, that's, that's okay. So yeah. I didn't sell my house. We were under contract with three of them and I just, I don't know. I don't know where I think they went and got some family land and they were going to build like a shome. Um, they had a big Quonset already mm. building, so I think they got some family land and yeah, nothing built. wrong with that. No. So I guess, uh, <coughs> are you originally from Gillette? Yep, I was born and raised. Well, yeah, I was born and raised. I went to high school in Utah. I went to college in upstate New York and came back. So, huh. yeah, upstate New York, huh? Yeah. Surprised you made it out alive. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's for a different day. So I guess what made you come back to Gillette? Um, what brought you back home? So I was going to nursing school in upstate New York. I got accepted into a holistic um, chiropractic oriental medicine college after I got my RN. And my ex-boyfriend did not think that was a good idea, nor were a lot of my ideas good ideas. And so that relationship had to end. Very toxic. It was very toxic. It had to end. And um, so I packed up all my things and left in a very big hurry where he didn't even know I was leaving. But it was one of those situations where I was scared for my life. where I lived, it, like just the demographics of where I lived, where I was, I no one would find me. Mm-hmm. So I had to get out, and this is where I'm from. This is my hometown. So I called my mom. I said, I already have a flight scheduled. I'm coming home, and I just need your UPS account so I can send all my stuff home quietly. Right. And so I did, and it's been the best thing ever because everything that man told me I couldn't do I came back and I don't know if it's a spiteful thing of I did it. Yeah. Look look now. Like don't tell me I can't do something because I'm going to do it. And then more. Like I didn't realize that it would turn into this. Um Gillette's just been where my family's from, where my family built roots in 85 and where I'm known, maybe changing my last name as soon as I came home really quickly. <laughs> like I found my husband within six months of moving back, and we were married within two years. So um, the right person comes along at the right time. Right. 
So his family's from here. He's like five generations deep here. Um, so I think this is where we'll stay. We may have some investment properties, Airbnbs and stuff, mm-hmm. so we can go watch some deep south football. But that's, yeah, I think Gillette's home for us. So what would be some of your goals for Gillette then, as you, as you guys are starting to lay your your family mm-hmm. roots, you and your husband's roots? What are some of your guys' goals for by being in Gillette, like uh, besides just owning the bowling alley, what do you guys, what else do you want to build in, the, in this community? Because I know okay. you're a realtor and we'll get into that in a, here in a minute, but like, uh, if that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So what I would like to do is I would like to get into um, more investing in real estate. Um, we invested in this bowling alley. I love it. We have two rental properties in Gillette and I would like to own a couple fourplexes or a couple of parks with trailers in them and some storage units. Mm -hmm. I would love to build on some of that because I see some of the housing is always going to be in demand. Um, I believe that housing is something that may become scarce and I'd like to maybe have some of that. So uh, have you been following the BlackRock, that whole ordeal with uh, the... The CEO of BlackRock basically came out, I don't know, this was probably seven months ago, June, July, and came out and basically told everybody that you're, no one's going to own anything. You're all going to rent. You're going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Did you hear? I, I don't have to pull up the article, but it was, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal when I was reading it, but it kind of made me like, you can go fuck yourself, dude. Uh-huh. You know, like, we're not here to be someone else's. Paycheck? Yeah. I, that's mm-hmm. probably a more political way to say that. Yep. But, you know, and it's like, uh, and like you hear all these politicians pushing for, for that same ideology. Yes. So I guess with you being a realtor, how do you see Gillette? Like, uh, do, you, do you find this as a strong community where we won't have to worry about that ideology sneaking in and taking over? Um, I see it coming, but I don't. Typically in Gillette, what I see is you see it nationwide first, Mm -hmm. and then about five years later, you see it here. I feel like we're always on a little bit of a delay because we're kind of like, fuck the way you did it. Right. Go back to where you came from. We do things differently here. However, some of these prices for housing is getting unaffordable with the median home income Mm -hmm. of what people make. Well, but Gillette's kind of that weird one because I think the medium income of Gillette's what seventy five thousand, sixty five thousand, yeah. right in there. Yeah, and that's a one person salary in Campbell County. Like if you do a, a household, it's probably about a hundred k. Yeah, with I mean a wife having a job or or someone in your family making a little bit of money too. Like I I see that. Uh, so I guess like uh, do you see the market in Gillette? Like really slowing down. I know the, the interest rates kind of hurt a little bit. I know that there's a couple people or a couple. We went and looked at a couple houses, and they were saying that the owners are willing to buy points, whatever. I'm not, yep. Not that intelligent when it comes to that, but buying down your interest rate. Okay. Yep. So they want to buy down your interest rate so you can afford to buy it because housing prices are high and interest rates are high. And your dollar doesn't go nearly as far. typically, you either get one or the other that's high. And we've got both that are high. Right. 
So I believe it's been, well, look at the last two years. We've had the whole COVID, all the uh, forgiveness, all the um, you don't have to pay your mortgages. However, if you did, if you did read that fine print, you'd find out that if you don't put anything towards your mortgage, you're getting little black marks on your credit report, and then you're not going to be able to refinance that house, and you're going to get kicked out. And that's typically what I'm seeing right now is the banks are done with their their allotted time, uh-huh. and they're foreclosing fast. And seeing that, that's the weird thing, that they're still, that's a, still a government-backed loan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the government kind of put us in a situation. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just a anti-government kind of person, but it seems like there's there there's something that could be done as much as we as as fast as they're printing money. It seems like th- there's there's something the banks and our politicians could come together and be like, hey, you know, I'm not all about forgiving debt, but put that on the back end mm-hmm. of, the, of the loan, you know. But that's a that could uh, lead go down a really dark hole talking about (laughs) i agree um i just think the banks are in it for the business and to regain them assets because how much interest have these people already paid and then they can get this house back and sell it again well it's it's the same thing with student loan debt yep you know they should the bank i think banks and colleges are on the hook 100 percent, 10 percent for that given a 17 18 year old child kid child Child, one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, and say you can pay this back over X amount of years, yep. but you can't get one hundred twenty-five thousand to go start a business. Nope. Or buy a house, or you know, it's all—it's just straight college funding. I and think it's completely backwards. You should be able to have a little bit of an investment for a business that's going to ROI versus something you're just going to go into debt for for four years and the then possibly pay it back. Well, like that's a huge risk. Well, when they when they took it. Took the student the the student debt or the student loans out of when people filed for bankruptcies when they took that out in what two thousand six two thousand five six because when you file for bankruptcy it doesn't matter what chapter you follow you file <coughs> you can't take out your IRS back or your IRS payments or you can't and you can't take out your student loan debt you can't wipe those out with your bankruptcy but you can wipe everything else out with bankruptcy but since those are two federally backed loans they're they're going to get your money either way. Mm, that's dirty. Yeah, so like people that are struggling, uh, trying to make their their uh, student loan debt payments, you know, so I hear people saying that they're paying eight hundred fifty bucks a month trying to get it back, and they still owe another two hundred fifty thousand because mm-hmm. the interest. The uh, it's not a what is it compound interest? Is that that's the one that keeps on mm-hmm. building up? Yep. Unless you just pay it all off in large lump sums. Yep. But that compound interest is building up so much, so it's like they have made zero payments in the last twenty years. Correct. And yeah. you, they, they can't default on it. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I had 30 grand taken out um, and I'm down to, I got down to 11 grand paid it off and then it shot up to 14 grand and I still been paying on the same 14 grand for like three years. Yeah. And I'm like, this is getting ridiculous. Well, I'm, so I'm, I'm almost thinking it's a revolving, it's a revolving uh, interest rate too. It's not a set interest rate. I believe it is too. I think I want to refinance mine in a, like a real loan. And just be done with it because I'm like I like I said I've been paying on the same fourteen grand for like three years, and yeah. it hasn't gone down. Yeah. So well, we're the interest rates kill you. Yeah, we're we're going through that right now with my wife going back to school. Mm-hmm. So and like that used to be a 
like she's going back for business management eight with an emphasis on HR. That used to be like a twenty five thousand dollar four year program. Yeah. Now, whatever it is, fifty, sixty thousand. Yeah, I believe it. You know, and it's that colleges are the one thing that I don't think they should be able to jack the prices up because there's really no no value added other than the facility, the sports team, and maybe the cafeteria. Everything else is all the same. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going in there to learn about business. Business models really haven't changed that much in the last 60 years. Not Still really. all the same, you know. You've got 10 apples and you want to sell five of them and you want to sell them for $2 an apple. It costs you five bucks to pick all them apples. Now you're 50% ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same same <coughs> building block as it's been since 1960. Mm-hmm. And they're not, and they're the rate of what the increase of tuition is, is like over like 2,500% over the mm-hmm. last five years, 10 years. I've got two boys. I'm not ready to see what, cause I really hope that they have, they get scholarships mm-hmm. and pay for it because they might get the, hey, I got some money put away from you. You can take it and go start a business or you can go to college for yep. however many years that's gonna last you for your choice. But then you hear all these people talk about, well, you won't get the social experiment, or you know, you won't get the the social the social part of it. That's a really important part of your life. You need to go and experience this, experience that. There's a guy on Facebook. I forget his name. I've list, I've watched him, and he's like, this lady goes, uh, he's taking questions, and he she goes, I have one hundred fifty thousand dollars to pay for my son's college, and the guy goes, why? Or what is he going into? And it was something like you can learn off YouTube. <coughs> And she goes, well, because I think it's an important uh, character development for him for those four years. That it builds character, gives him the social, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Social interaction. Interaction, interaction yeah. and this and that. And he goes, he goes I, you're not going to like this. He goes, but you take that 150000 you take three quarters of that, and you put it into whatever he said, a CD or the stock or whatever. And he goes, you give the, your kid the other quarter and tell him to go, go backpack Europe. Mm-hmm. Dad's gonna, he's going to get yep. twice as much for less money. Correct. And then when he comes back from backpacking through Europe, he has some money to go start doing whatever it is he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way we should really look at it, especially now with the development of YouTube and the things that the internet and the stuff you have access to for free. Because yep. I mean, you're, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest handyman, but I can turn on a YouTube video and go step by step by step and learn how to do it. Absolutely. You know, it's not, it's not hard anymore. No. No, I think we need to look at um, college as like kind of a second option anymore. I wish we could give our kids more exposure to different fields while they're in high school um, because I feel like they learn the same things over and over and over again. And I understand we need to pass tests and we need to have intelligent human beings. However, we need well-rounded human beings too. We can't just go completely into the educational world in math, science, whatever, like, can we give them some more opportunity? I know we have like machining and we have wood shop and we have some different areas, but could we treat high school a little bit more like a little pre-college and see if we could get some kids or give them some emotional education? Because I feel like emotional intelligence has completely gone to the wayside. No No one knows how to handle their emotions or even be aware of why something triggers you. Why did this person um, make you feel this way? We need to invest in our youth a little bit more in 
emotional intelligence, not just analytical intelligence. Well, I think that comes with uh, eliminating some Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat and Twitter and Truth and Gitter and all this other stuff. I think that social media has done a lot of damage to our to everybody. Absolutely. Our generation forward. Oh, I agree. Because it's so easy to get on Facebook or whatever and send out a, a message or hide behind your keyboard and not have to face the consequences. Correct. Oh, There's, yeah. We need to get back to duking it out at the flagpole or the bike rack. And Oh, I agree with that. I think that's uh, really set us back quite a bit. I mean, hell, even when I was a kid, we, there was some, there was a fight going on somewhere. But the end of, after the end of getting your ass kicked, by the, when you got done, everybody kind of came around and be like, all right, now sh- shake hands, let's mm-hmm. hug it out, let's, let's be done. And like yep. when I graduated high school, there was hardly any, any fighting because we took care of that back in grade school, middle school. Yep. And by the time we got to high school, it was we're men, we're adults, mm-hmm. we can handle ourselves. You know, now when you add the alcohol and the, the drugs to it, it was a different lesson. But, but like when we were sober in the right mind, we took care. Of, we took care of business. You know. Right. And I, that we've we've lost that aspect because completely. It's, Hide behind a keyboard or a cell phone and talk shit, and there's no repercussions. Nope, none. If you go back to when you're 18, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give yourself? Ooh, 18. 18 was kind of a fragile area. So when I was almost 17 my parents put me in a private school in Utah and we talk about emotional intelligence and the school we did four hours of book work school work every day and the rest of the day was spent in our pods of our girls our community and we had therapy and we had group therapy and we had phone calls and we really worked on our emotional intelligence and that was really the last time I ever read for pleasure and I started reading for self-help self-care Um, reading all the books that help you develop emotionally and mentally in yourself. And when I was 18, I I had just graduated and I just came back home and I wish I would have invested and believed in myself more in the areas that now I'm becoming confident in. Mm Um, I was always very creative, very um, free-spirited. And so I could have very much branched out and done my own thing and gotten very ahead in life with the technology boom about then. Um, I'm 33 now. uh, So back then it was just getting, like, we still had MySpace, I miss my space. I do too. <laughs> like you're sitting there writing code and had no idea. Right. But um, we still we had MySpace at that point, and I wish I would have learned to believe in myself and go after more things. In that time of my life, I was getting somewhat exposed to that belief system. Um, I I guess I'll call it. And I was doing some Miss Wyoming pageants and doing a lot of modeling in that time. Um, I worked a sales job, and I've always been in sales. That's my family's background. We've always been in sales, and it just runs real deep in my family. 
Um, my dad used to send me to school with the free stickers off of the SLP cans box that we would put on our snowmobiles and I would sell them to the kids. So like my dad made me a hustler from very little. (laughs) So, um, I think if I would have believed in myself and been confident in my abilities, I think I would have been farther off in life. However, I feel like a lot had changed in my life in that very short time. I came from Utah back to Gillette and threw back in this pool of people that they were like, I think I know you, but you've been gone for a while. Where'd Mm -hmm. you go? So it was definitely a different mindset I was in, and I was still very meek, very mild, and not confident. Mm -hmm. So I wish I would have stood in my principles, stood in the things that I learned in this school, and decided to, you know, stand in my power, be be who I want to be, because for about... Seven years after that, I didn't really appreciate who I am. Right. Well, Gillette's a really Gillette will chew a person up pretty quick and spit them Absolutely. out. Absolutely. I think Gillette's probably one of the more. They don't like different. No, they don't like different. They're set in their ways, and if you don't fit in, like then you're you're some you're in this town. You'd be a liberal. Correct. I've been called that, and I'm like, guys. <laughs> I was like, no. Like, I, I, I got in this argument the other day with a guy. Uh, it's pretty well known that I'm not a Trump fan at all. And I'll stand by that, especially since the fact that he just signed a deal with Saudi Arabia for uh, $2 billion to build a golf course for the new uh, LIE league that Saudi Arabia is a part of. What most people don't understand is that Saudi Arabia is the one that funded the, the 9-11 attacks. And so for a piece of shit like Trump to accept that money, He's lost my vote and any confidence I have in him. So having this art conversation with a guy, he was like, well, you're a Biden fan. It's like, no, I think Biden's a big piece of shit, too. Mm-hmm. Well, then what are you? I said, I'm a nothing. I said, I, I believe in my, my principles, and that is what it is. If, you, if I can't take you at your word, then you, I have nothing for you. Well, that sounds like a liberal. Well, just like the, the education level, I think, because there's so much money in this town, like you can... You could, don't even have to graduate high school, and you can still pull 125000 easy. Easily. Learn a trade, and we're all about trades here. Like, you yeah. can make some hellacious money here, and yeah. it's kind of like its own little bubble, and until you leave this bubble, you don't understand that. Well, and they say they do. Well, we go to Denver all the time, or we go to Vegas. That, that's not leaving Gillette. That's not getting out and experience different cultures, different nope. ideas, and different things, you know different foods mm-hmm. for example you know everything in Gillette's either Mexican or some bar food you yep. know and it's you're that's what you're limited to which is fine you know I like Mexican food and I like bar food but like uh we were in Illinois from what 2018 to almost 20 19 17 to 19 and uh we go up to Chicago we go to St. Louis you know and there was there was a certain There was a little bit of gratefulness before to be able to go and spend the day or the weekend in one of these places and be there. It's only a two-hour drive from where we were at to Chicago. was two hours. And to St. Louis, it was like two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. So it was nothing to go down there. It's like going to Rapid. Nothing to us. Yeah. We drive everywhere. Except for the traffic (laughs) sucked. But but you you seen different people and how they interacted. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of like around here, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, thank Mm -hmm. you, you know, hold doors open. There wasn't a lot of that. 
in the, in the bigger cities. No. And, it, you know, there's a lot of more rude, rude people. And the, the flow was so fast. Everybody's in a hurry to get somewhere, to get nowhere fast, more or less. Here, it's pretty laid back, yeah. unless you're on Highway 59. But everything else, it's laid back. And it's like, I don't think people that have been here for 20, 30 years plus that have, that have been in Gillette and never lived anywhere else for more than a week. Right. Don't understand what we're talking about. Like, no, they don't. You, you don't get what culture is. You don't get what different opinions are. Correct. It's what Sean Hannity tells me is correct, or Laura Ingram is what tells me is this correct. I have TV, mm-hmm. you know, or Facebook, and it's the same echo chamber everywhere. Everywhere. And they and like people with different ideologies or different beliefs. You know, it's like that uh, that guy that wants to move the books in the library. You know, got into it with them. You know. I'm sorry, but all them books are in your public schools because I checked them out too. Right. Like, come on, people. Like, you guys want to attack one little entity. Well, that's because... Not educated. It's it's because it's it's low-hanging fruit. Yep. It it takes little to no work, and it can get... takes a few words put together to get a large group of people riled up and support your, your idea. Correct. And, you know, like... We've seen this. We've seen this in history. The group that wants to ban books or eliminate books or say books are can't be where they're at that never ended well in history. No, it hasn't. So you know that's kind of was my comment to him, and then he's like, I, I, I told him, I was like, you're more than welcome to come on my podcast, and then that brought up a whole deal. Like it was just a big old big nothing burger, and you try to sit there explaining and talking to him and explaining it to him, you know, and like I'd love to have a face to face conversation with you on this topic. Nope, I'll do it right through Facebook. Well. Here we're back to hiding behind keyboards. Correct. And if there's a comment that makes you look stupid, it's not that hard to go and report it. And so now the person's banned. And they have, they have no right. They can't defend themselves. They can't nothing. Mm-hmm. So then you're, that, it's a it's a closed-ended argument. Mm-hmm. It's no, a very closed-minded situation. Yeah. You know, and it's – we went to uh, the city of Gillette and the county held this, uh, like, how to make Gillette and Calumet County better uh, deal. It's a uh, – I forget exactly what it was, but they gave us a sheet of. They sent out a survey, and they and on the survey you had you could put down like what was most important to you, and then you had like other, and you could write down what it was, and continue to see on the sheet that our voices aren't heard, mm-hmm. our voices this, our voices that. And I was sitting there talking to one of the county commissioners, like you know, it's really weird that this is your number one complaint, and here it is. You're offering a space for people to come and talk and have their, their opinions heard and written down and recorded. And nobody's here. I mean, a very few people are here. But because it, it's not Facebook, it's not Instagram, it's I can't hide behind a computer. So now my name's attached to that comment with a face. Yep. You know, so it's that, that's the one thing that pisses me off about Gillette. And I, like, I don't know how to fix that because, again, we're, we're, we're keyboard warriors. Yep. And, it, and I think that as soon as – I was really hoping when Elon bought Twitter, he just shut shut the, the, the storage off, just mm-hmm. turn Twitter off, and be done with it, walk away. Take that at $44 billion that he spent, tax write-off, move on, go buy Facebook, flip the switch, goodbye Facebook, Instagram, goodbye, see you later. But here we haven't done that yet. Needs the Needs the algorithm for his cars. Maybe. Oh, that's that's a whole thing. Yeah. We Not want self-driving cars. He needs that that human 
algorithm information. I'm kind of scared of self-driving cars. Kind of scared of all of that. Like, at what point will our technology just overtake us? Well, what are, what are we willing to give for? We're, we're right now we're giving up liberties for securities. We're giving up freedoms for easier for easier things. You know, like uh, student for loan student loan forgiveness. We're giving up freedoms for that. We we gave up a ton of freedoms for a virus that cured itself in a week. It was nothing. It was a whole political. But, but they were pushing something, and if you looked at COVID, that's what you looked at. But if you looked at everything else they were doing during COVID, that's what they really wanted to do. Well, uh, fear is a very powerful emotion. There's a uh, 1940s. I forget the author's name. Like I said, I'm coming off night shift, but he had said that there's going to be a steps as the empire starts to fall. There's going to be a series of steps, and in one of those steps, they said create a a pandemic where uh, millions of people die, start an upstir, an upcraze, and have and get these people to rely on government for all the answers and all the basic necessities of life. That's what they want. Unfortunately, this go around, I think there's probably three, two, three, four more years, and it really depends on what happens in 2024, that you're going to see another pandemic and it's going to be on a scale where it kills a whole lot more people. Mm-hmm. And it's going to drive that fear so much harder. So that way we're willing to give up security for protection, mm-hmm. our, our freedoms for protection. When we need to stand up and say, nice try, motherfucker, we're not doing this again. Right. Yeah, I think that really needs to happen. Because this is something that if you look at what's on common TV, they're just desensitizing us to stuff. Like I looked at something my husband was watching and I I seriously couldn't watch it because it was so disturbing. And you need this antidote to live. And you need this. And, and I'm like, oh, we're getting to, you know, bio-warfare now. So I don't, I'm just going to say it. I don't trust any vaccine. I don't trust anything that you're going to inject into my body, my husband's body, my son's body, nothing. Like, absolutely not anymore. It, they don't have any liabilities, and I'm not going to put my family at risk anymore because that's, if you see what they're doing in the movies, they're just desensitizing us to all of this. And what are they going to do with it? And well, I don't trust anybody in that field well, at we, all. What we need to do as, as a community as a city, a county, a state, is we need to stop with all the federal jargon and stop worrying about what the what DC does. And I, I've Correct. talked to Del Shelstead, I've talked to John Bear, Shea, Shea Ludvall, the new mayor, and I got another pretty into the no guy coming up here pretty soon. He's coming on, and but talking to those three, you know, those three are very John and Dell are, are very right conservative they're not far right but i mean they're a little heavier they're more they're more like just leave me alone kind of guys and i I, that's what i want but uh you know talking to those two i you know they're like they asked me what i think needs to be done and how we can fix some of these problems and i said we need to elect some people that are that are on the know-how of the 10th amendment to where when the federal government comes out and put produce it says this is the law we can say "Eh, no sorry see you later that's protects us there. We need to start electing people in our city and county that are going to be 
stand up to when the state decides to be totalitarian. Our city and county officials will tell you, go pound sand. And that, that's what really is going to protect us from anything that's coming down for the next bio-warfare bio or whatever. Mm-hmm. We don't need a federal government. I don't believe so. I, think I wish the states would run themselves as their own countries. I, I, I think... Uh, I give it five years before this whole entire empire is completely trash and we have to rebuild from new, which is fine by me. I mean, it, it, I mean, the banks aren't going to be able to come take anything away at that point because there's, no, there's nothing there for them to mm-hmm. really take away. You know? and I think a great, an, a real honest great reset would, be, would do is awesome good. Get rid of some technology, some, some of this uh, reliance on somebody else to take care of me. Right. The money grabbing, the everything, just all the rules. I believe. I just think the United States is too big to be one big country, and there's so many different. Like we were talking cultures, there's so many cultures and so many different demographics across this entire U.S. Why are we making rules for one little side when there's a whole bunch of other sides? Like this isn't. It's not working anymore. Our people are too defiant to work anymore like that. Well, everybody is part of a tribe. Yep. It's so tribal mm-hmm. now. And y- that's even across Wyoming. Yep. Wyoming is a very, everybody has their own tribes. Yep. And like, I think at a state, though, like at a state government, I think you, you could probably bring all these different ideas together. Cause I'm with their 900,000 people in Wyoming. It's not like it's a whole lot. I mean, no, but, it's not. Uh, but, uh, getting people together and having a conversation or sending their their spokesman. It's like John Bear had told me, he's like, you know, we're a red state, but when you get down to the state legislation, we're very purple. Like mm-hmm. they say they're Republican, they say they're Democrat, but at the end of the day it's a very purple we're a very purple state. Yep. We're very middle ground. And, and you know it should be that way. It should be. I mean like there's two sides to every story and we need to compromise and do what's best for all, not what's best for just one side or the other. Well, it's like, uh, I, I, as much as I hate the federal government, but like Tulsi Gabbard, like she's really won me over with a lot of things that she's coming out and saying. I mean, she's a Democrat. There was a lot of things I disagreed with her, but there was enough things that I agreed with her that, you know, I'll listen to you. I'll read yep. what you have to say. I'll, you know, she does a lot of writings in the Washington or the, the Washington Journal, and she does some other for the New York Post and somebody else. You know, I'll read her columns. Mm-hmm. When she has something come out, I'll read it. And like, But I'm also grown up enough to say, you know, I really don't agree with that, and I don't really need to tell you why because that's your mindset, but I don't have to believe it. Correct. But I believe this. You know, this is really good. I like this. I believe that. I don't need to tell you because that's your mindset, and I'm, I'm not here to change your mind. I'm right. here to educate myself and become a better person. Correct. And, and that's where I think we need to just get rid of the labels. Like, why do we have to label someone as such? Why can't we just listen to their ideas, their mindset, and how they think about things? Because we all have different perceptions, and we have all gone through different life experiences to make those those thought processes. So why why do we think that anyone that's different than us is wrong because they may not be they may say something that you're like oh from that perception like i understand right 
And so that's where we're, we need to go to is like getting back to breaking bread with people and having these hard conversations because we're never going to come together if we just sit behind a keyboard and be a keyboard warrior. Right. Well, but that it comes down to everybody needs to give everybody a chance. Yes. And not just hold a person to hold their feet to the fire because they said the one thing that you disagree with. Correct. You know, like, heck, even that guy that I was having the Facebook battle or battle with, I, if I seen him in, in real life, I'd, be, I'd still talk to him like a decent human being. Mm-hmm. Just because I think you're an idiot on this one subject does not change the fact that you're a human being and deserves respect as because you are a human being. Absolutely. And I think we've lost a lot of that as we have progressed in society that if, you know, it's back to we're, we're a tribe. Mm-hmm. I'm part of this tribe. You're part of that tribe. I don't like you because your color is different than mine. Like you're, you're blue, you're red. Mm-hmm. And it, it's until that mindset goes away, I think we're stuck. I think we are too. I think so. I wish Gillette would get a little bit more uh, broad in how we view things. I wish we would get a little bit more diversified because I think diversity uh, brings out a lot, and all I see in Gillette, well, talk money-making opportunities, all I see is entertainment or energy. And I'm like, can we get a little more diversified? Mm -hmm. Let's bring in some manufacturing. Let's bring in some, let's take some of these warehouses and make them greenhouses and grow our own vegetables here because let's look at our supermarkets. Everything that's trucked in is half bad anyway, and they go bad within two days. Like, can we get a little bit more diversified out here? Because we're, that's all we are, energy, entertainment. And there's a lot of bars around here. That's sad. See, I I brought that up uh, when we went to that deal with the city, the city and the county. I was like, you guys have done a pretty piss poor job of advertising Campbell County Gillette. You guys, when you know, when you Google Gillette, the first thing that comes up is, townspeople run out transvestite magi- magician or the transgender magician mm. yep. that's that's the top that. top 10 articles when you google us and they've done nothing to paint us as just a horrible community yeah Lovely. you know but like when you drive into gillette it's he looks like a shithole mm-hmm. on all four directions looks like a shithole you coming in from the east you got that rundown house with all the vehicles parked there it's a shithole mm-hmm. you come in from the south they got one little sign that says "Welcome to Gillette." I, they they don't do they don't, they haven't done anything to really draw in any outside attention. No, nope. and I'm like I made the comment to him. I was like, "You have all these ranchers that it's been a drought for how many years now? They're not getting their second, third, fourth cuts of hay, so it's really not making them any money." You, you know, you start doing some outreach and you say, "Hey, hey, uh, Apple, we have all this acreage." You guys want to come build some storage facilities, you know, some mm-hmm. uh, uh, software storage facilities. We got the perfect climate. We're flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to take a whole lot of dirt work to make it work. We got the people with the know-how how to do it. We got, you know, we got the talent. And then, that, you know, there's a whole different beret of things that city and county could be doing to make Gillette a better place. You know, and like, like me and Sarah had said when we went to it, I really hope they actually take this serious, like the, the comments that we had for them. I really hope they take it serious and it actually goes somewhere. But I have a feeling it's just going to go in one year and out the other. I have that feeling, too. I, it was about a year ago when I heard about um, why we got passed up for a big manufacturer to come here in Gillette. And 
a lot of the reasons were because the city owned too much of our land here mm-hmm. in Gillette and they needed to subsidize it, get it back into the public's hands so we could sell it to some of these big manufacturers. Whether they've worked on that in the past year or not, I really hope they have um, because I would love to see more industries come to Gillette because we do have a good workforce. We've got a great community. We all bend over backwards to help each other, um, and I don't understand why we're not a good place to put something different, you know, something that's going to bring substantial jobs. I'm not saying, like, something small like a restaurant because we have a ton of those Let's bring something that's big, something manufacturing, something that's going to help us. And we have air, we have rail, we can export things. Like, why are we limiting ourselves to just what's here? We need to expand if we're going to move into the future. And we've been saying this for years in Gillette. Well, uh, 1970 was the first oil and gas boom in Gillette. And Gillette at 1970 was just a basically a large trailer park. Yep. And everybody kind of figured that's what it was going to be from here on out. It was just one large trailer park. Oil and gas is going to be here forever. It's never going to go boom and bust. You know, and then they, the coal mine started coming out. just became a bigger trailer park. And the people that had the mom and pop shops that were supporting the oil fields and the coal mines, they started building the nicer houses out away from the trailer parks. And they started laying Gillette out around that trailer park. And so this is what we have. The, the, the imagery of Gillette is a trailer park. It is. And they have done nothing, absolutely nothing, to change that idea of, of Gillette. You know, like I I try, as much as I dog on Gillette and how we are as a tribe, but us as a individual community, we're probably one of the best communities in, in the mm-hmm. nation. Yeah. Our people really make it a great community here. Yeah. And there's... And there's I feel like our government's a little bit disconnected, but... Um, oh. I feel like the people who live here, if you need something, there's always someone to help you. Yeah. Well, I, Gillette is, as much as they, they are, they're MAGA country as they claim, I, they're a lot more libertarian than they are anything. I believe so. The way we've changed a lot since I was a kid. Yeah. Absolutely. We, yeah, everyone says we bleed red, but there's a lot of people here that kind of in the middle of the bird. Like, I, I'm one of them. I think we got to listen to both sides. I think there's a reason for everything. And just because that experience hasn't happened to you doesn't mean that it hasn't happened to someone else. And someone else can benefit from a service, a a whatever. Um, I think we should look at it with all of our minds open, not closed. We can't have blinders on. We have to look at what's good for us as a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree with all that. It's just... Uh We'll see. I think, I, I don't know. I, I interviewed Shay Ludvall and he had a lot of good answers, but you know, that's, that's a uh, microphone to microphone. Mm-hmm. Let's see what he does with pen to paper. I, like, uh, the I'm development. I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah. I didn't vote for him, but then again, I didn't really vote for anybody other than myself. I'd wrote my name in on everything, <laughs> but <laughs> vote for Kyle. Well, the, have you ever thought about getting into that I, uh, area? There's, there's too many skeletons in my closet. Okay. <laughs> that that would be a a uh, a nightmare for a doing anything political. I've when I was uh, twelve to about twenty six, I had a a pretty healthy record. Yeah, 
But like I said, I grew up in Gillette. I grew up in the, my dad owned a welding, a construction outfit. And I grew up in that welding shop. And I was raised by a lot of those guys. Cause I'd go to. A lot of roughnecks. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I, by the time I hit puberty, I had some thick, thick skin. And it, did, it took a lot to get me going, like to really mm-hmm. get underneath my skin. Cause in that, when you're eight years old, going, supposed to be mowing the lawn and, doing uh yard work and their shop foreman pulls you in and says you want to build a cannon well hell does yes a, does a bear shit in woods yes Duh. <laughs> you know and so and then you go That's into that what we do in wyoming <laughs> and so you know just being my dad wouldn't be there because he'd be out in the field doing a pipeline or doing whatever it is he's doing and i'd get there at six o'clock in the morning and i would leave the shop with my dad whenever he got back in from the field so i his guys would actually babysit me Yep. From six in the morning till eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve o'clock at night, whenever he got back to the shop to take me back home with him. It's so crazy how many Gillette stories are like that and how many kids have grown up in their parents' businesses around here. Yeah, it's just, you know, and so I did I, I had a good moral com I have a good moral compass. I had one then, but it was there was a lot of outside influence. Definitely on, on influenced. To, yes. To, the, the the choices and the life path I've taken, which I mean it's not bad. I, I've for not having gone to college for my for being a welder, I I have done pretty well. You know I've I've made a pretty good reputation for my name. You know there's very few spots that I can't go and say hey I want to work here tomorrow. It's right. cool. Pack bring your tools in tomorrow. And we'll put you to work. Right. You know and it's I've worked really hard to have that reputation, but. There's always every day I wake up and I have to go at about four o'clock to go to work. Why didn't I just stay in school? You know, like I there's, I don't know what I would have gone to college for or what I would have stayed in college for because I went in for hospitality management and culinary arts. And I got, I went through the, got my certificates and all that. And I was like, well, the rest of this can go pound, pound sand. You know, I don't need no math, English, science, whatever. I got my certificates. I'm done. And, I, and like a part of me wishes that I would have applied myself to do to do more because I like you know just like your husband every morning you hate it mm-hmm. but you know it puts the roof on over the head and the food on the table and puts clothes on the back and the vehicles to drive and the vacations and everything yep. else and you can always start now and you can always branch out and have a different stream of income you don't just have to have the one well that's why you can definitely get out there and like you're doing here i mean there's multiple ways to make money online and i'm learning that as i mean as i'm growing in my season like there is so much out there and i think you're on the right track um but like i i hate the one job situation or the two job in a household like i love having revenue and multiple streams of it so that if your your leg gets a little wobbly you got three other ones right. to hold you up well it, it's mine is there's no passion to it like i yeah. i never wanted to be a welder i i did it to get myself out of some some situations that i put myself in i was only supposed to be temporary and the temporaries lasted 18 years and but you made it a career and I've, it's turned itself and into it's a, a trade and i hate it and like you know there's that it was always supposed to be something that i could fall back on but I always fell back on it because it was comfortable. It was safe. I knew what Stable I was doing. Stable here. And 
Well, I could go anywhere in the country, mm-hmm. in the world, and take my knowledge in welding and here, let me show you what I can do. Absolutely. You know, but it's not what I wanted. I, you know, like I told Mike, the guy, my, my halvesies on this deal, I was like, you know, I, I, we need a, we need to start looking at this as a job and taking it serious rather than just a hobby. It's, you know, we might have to put some more money into it. You know, we're, we're pretty, pretty heavily invested into it, but you know, a few, few more here and a few more there. We're pro- in the process of rebranding our home, our flagship podcast. Try to get that going and start being consistent with it, because that's all. That's all it is. It's just being consistent. Yep. You know, and it, this has been so challenging to me, and it's kind of I kind of think about it all day, but then I get home and I'm like, I get compliant, compliance. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna sit here and have a few beers and play some Call of Duty and go to bed when I should be. I need to work on this. This is my job. This is my ticket out of all of it. And so that's that's what I'm really striving to do to make myself and my me better and my family better. So maybe I I hate the word job. What it stands for is just over broke. <laughs> that's true. So maybe you should change your mindset and say this is my investment. That's a good idea. Because your investment will keep you going. Right. Your hobbies take all your money. Like you don't make any money at hobbies. Like make this your investment. And even if you want to treat it as a business, this is my business investment and I'm not willing to give up on it. This is something I want to do. Like think very positively about this. I think job has a huge negative stigma with Mm -hmm. it, associated with it when you talk about it with anyone. This is your investment. This is your business. And this is something you can take complete ownership of. So when you start to flip your mindset into, I want to do these things, it makes it fun. Yeah. Like, I love going and doing, like, TikToks of real estate. And, and I love doing video editing. And I love to do marketing. And I love to go bowling. So why not get a coach, get a coaching degree and go help these kids with bowling? Like, all of these things are my investments. They're not my jobs. They're my investments and where I want to invest my fingers in my life. So, you know, I've never really actually sat down and thought of it that way. Cause I, I've always just thought it was like, this is to get me out of a job that I absolutely despise and hate every day. And I'm miserable. And I, I really, I really enjoy doing this. I like spending my time with my, the guy I do it with. I like coming down and editing and all that stuff. And now that you know, you're right. It's not a job. It's, it's an investment. Correct. It's where you want to go in life. And it's important. People don't think about this stuff. And that's where I go back to the emotional intelligence. Let's start breaking bread with people and figuring out what do you want to do instead of let's just push kids into college. No, let's have a conversation and let's like break down to like, who are you as a core human being? Mm -hmm. And what do you like to do? And what interests you? And where can you take your core stuff and be really successful? And super fucking happy. Right. Isn't that the goal? Like, we got one life. Let's be happy and enjoy what we do because that's our mark on the world. We all have a journey. We all have to wake up every day. We all have the same 24 hours in this day. What are you going to do with it to make you happy, to make a good impact on yourself, your family, your community, your kids, like all of that? Yeah, strip away all the bullshit and get down to the true nuts and bolts of you yes and that's like when i say believe in myself like get down to your core and believe wholeheartedly like i am this way because i have something to do here Mm. with those traits and 
and believe in it. Don't right. try to change yourself. Keep going forward with what you want to do because that's the only way I think that true success comes is embracing your full body, your full mind, your full spirit and putting everything out there intentionally, being very intentional. Yeah, shit happens and right. you get a bill or something that's going to send you sideways. But that doesn't that happens to everybody. That doesn't change your course in life. No, yeah, you stay to your true self, your core. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. Yeah. That that's that's very well said. So we'll, I got two more for you, and we'll sure. get out of here. Uh, what's your greatest accomplishment to date? Ooh. X, not and they can't include kids. That's we don't count. Can't that include as, my kid. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Oh, my kid was awesome, but um, I would not say he's my, yeah, I wouldn't say that's my best accomplishment because I did not want children. My husband wanted two. Um, <laughs> everyone else in our group was having kids, and I said, if you want to have kids, this is probably the best time because when I turn 30, I probably ain't going to have any more. I was like 28 at the time. <laughs> And so we tried, we lost, we tried, we got pregnant, um, and had Calvin and, um, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. I have one. I want to put all my energy into one and put out a really good human. Like, I don't want to have my mind three different directions with four different kids. Like, no, I let's put out one good human. And that's my thought process on it. But probably my... Um, greatest achievement. I would say um, taking a chance on myself to become self-employed. Um, I have been self-employed since, oh, 2018. 2018, because my son was born in late 2017. In 2018, he was four months old when I started my real estate career. Um I started it. It was super demanding, of course, and especially with a newborn. Um, and I was told I'd never make it. I was told that it would take my entire life and take my family away from me, and I wouldn't ever make it because there's only a few different people in Gillette that make money in real estate, mm -hmm. which there is some truth to that because there's some heavy hitters in Gillette. Um, however, my goal was not to be a name, a brand, uh, my goal was not to be that person. Mm -hmm. My goal was to go out and help people in hard situations, and that was my heart's work. I wanted to go hunt in foreclosures. I wanted to go find people that were in a hard spot because my dad likes to flip properties, mm -hmm. and he's a great handyman. Like He can fix just about anything. And that was my first driving force. However, when I got into it and helping people with foreclosures and redemptions, because in Wyoming, you have, when it sells on the courthouse steps on foreclosure, you have 90 days from that day to sell it as the homeowner and to redeem it off of your credit. Now, redeeming it off of your credit means like three to four years of not being able to buy a home again versus like eight to 10 if you let it all the way go through. So... I started out trying to find investments and then I fell in love with the hard work to help these people get out of foreclosures and they've already written them off. Mm -hmm. And so it helped my heart 
helped them heal, and especially if I could get them out of it and they made money, they praised me and praised me and loved on me, and it felt good. I didn't get into real estate to make a million dollars every year. I got into real estate to find investments for myself. Mm -hmm. Very selfish. I get that. But I love to hunt in foreclosures to help them people because it's made me a very nice career, educated me a lot on housing, and made me want to get into it even deeper into investing. So that was probably my best accomplishment that I've had to date. And I've tried a lot of things. Um, I have tried and failed a lot of things in and that's something that I can't say that's been a bad thing in my life. Like, try everything. Mm -hmm. Like, you think you got a little bit of interest somewhere? Try it. Because you never know until you do. Like, you can be an outsider looking in on the glass house, but you don't know until you're inside of that house. Mm. Well, and failure, failure builds character. Absolutely. It, failure isn't a bad thing. It's really not. It's just a... <laughs> my dad says... Um, experience is what you get when you didn't get what you wanted mm -hmm. so experience is great it's just another stepping stone another learning block well let, let's uh age old saying that uh, it wasn't a failure it was just another uh shit how's it go some fucking einstein deal failure it wasn't failure it was just a a detour into my final into the destination i don't know i don't remember how that saying goes Something like that. You Good way to look at it, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't. I never failed. I just had a deep. I never failed. I just had a detour to get to my final destination. Yep. I think that's how it goes. And that's the truth. That's the truth. Like, it's it's fun to try new things. It really is. Um, whether you can make it profitable for yourself, I think, is the way we need to think about things mm -hmm. in the future because this world's getting super expensive. Yeah. So um, I understand that everyone's got to make a sale and everybody's got to make this this world um, work for them. So if you're going to dive into something, figure out how to make it profitable for you so you're not just spinning wheels. Right. Well, I also like having a, an end goal, like a, a roadmap to where you want to be. Maybe not be able to make it in that exact step by step by step, but a ultimately this is my the goal that I'm wanting I'm trying to achieve absolutely goals are huge gotta have them like weekly monthly daily like you gotta have goals right keep yourself focused maybe you should have been a motivated speaker could have been the next Tony Robbins <laughs> I've spent probably since I was 23 just reading those types of books yeah. Tony Robbins and Eric Worre and I'm reading another one on my um what is it called? My Audible. And she's super awesome. I'm going to read some more of her books, but like I'm I'm super into the self self-help and business development type of self-help books. Love them. And that's all I've read since I was like 25. I would, I just never been a big reader. I listen to Audible because I like I have to read things like four times and uh -huh. be like, I think I understood what it said. See, that's that's why I got into podcasts. I listened to a lot of. That's all I listen to. I, I like music nowadays is just trash, but like uh, there's a guy by the name of Dan Holloway. He has a podcast called Citizen, and it's very it's, it's very educational, and like that's kind of like Dan Holloway. Uh, 
Dave Smith, he's a libertarian. His podcast is part of the problem. And then there's, you know, Michael Malice and a few others. But uh, I don't agree with everything they say, but they force me to go start looking into what they're talking about. They force me to come with my own opinion on, like, you know, like uh, Dan Holloway, he had a guest on. He was talking about how we need to have a structured uh, minimum wage you know, like a min- a living minimum wage, and I don't believe in that. I don't I don't believe in the minimum wage to begin with. I think it's done more damage for our country than it has anything. And it was never set up to be a living wage. It was set up to protect kids in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, but he that's what he believes in, which is you know that that's your own belief. But he also had in that same breath as, but. Since it is the way it is, here's what you motherfuckers need to go do to make yourselves better, mm-hmm. to to do this and do that and do that. You know, like you can't just rely on somebody to scoop the soup into your pot, you know, Correct. in your bowl. You've got to be able to be able to be capable of doing that, be self self sufficient, you know. And so it's like like we were talking about earlier, you know, you, you just got to give everybody a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, they might not agree, but you just got to give your, give them a chance to fully explain their their idea now if you don't agree with it that's between you and jesus but at least it gives you a, you know instead of going and playing xbox you go spend 20 30 minutes playing or looking up what they're talking about correct this last one very last one what is the most important lesson you've learned over your career most important lesson Most important lesson I've learned, um, at least for myself, is do what you say, say what you do. If you say you're going to show up, show up. Mm -hmm. If you say you're going to make a meeting, make a meeting. If you say you're going to call them later, call them later. Like Being a person of character is not an easy task you have to show up for yourself you have to show up for your business you have to show up for all of it and if you don't show up you miss out on all the opportunities and the biggest thing like we've been talking this entire podcast about um, the lack of communication and everyone wants to sit behind a keyboard which that's fine in somewhat of my career because contracts and everyone e-signs shit and They just don't want to face-to-face meet you, and especially my clientele. My Mm -hmm. clientele are people who are in a bad way. They made some bad choices. They didn't pay their mortgage, and they're coming into foreclosure, and I'm here to help them, and they're embarrassed. They don't want to meet with me. Okay, that's fine. We can meet. We can do some Zoom meetings, and we can do some stuff over the Internet, and that's fine. But the whole stigma about communication is... It needs to get better. Like, we need to get back to breaking bread with people. We need to get back to sitting face in face and setting the boundaries, setting the expectations, having these meetings, whether it's a um, a listing for a home or a situation with kids or a, shoot, even a bowling tournament. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to sit down, lay out all the expectations that you have for people and that you have for yourself as well. And and almost like make a deal with people. Like this is what I'm going to do and this is what I expect from you. And 
when we get back to that situation right there, I think a lot of our lives are going to get better. My life has gotten super better since this last year. I have implemented a lot of that. And, you know, you got to kind of make people accountable too. Like, if you're going to do this, I need to know. And if you're not going to do this, I need to know. So I think the communication is a huge downfall, especially in my generation. Like I said, I'm 33. I feel like the gap between my generation and like the 40 year olds, my brother's 40. So I have a lot of friends that are about either 10 years older than me and 10 years younger than me. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of funny how that works. I don't have a lot of friends my age. So a lot of my brother's friends, they're a lot better at this. I'm going to say shit to your face. Yeah. And, but then my younger generation are, they've got their phone in their face. They're walking through Walmart. They'll say shit to you on Facebook, but they won't communicate it to you. Oh, they see it and they run away. Yeah. They run away and we have this runaway mentality and everyone's in this flight mentality. And don't get me wrong. I'm saving my last 60 seconds of fighting for like something I really need. Right. But like, I'm pretty much like, really? really, we got to be about this. Like, let's, let's just hash this out right now. I'm very much a person. If I got a problem with you, you got a problem with me. We're going to talk about it and I'm going to come right at you. Mm -hmm. I had one of my, my husband's employees come over to me the other day. He's like, are you mad at me? I was like, nope, just (laughs) not in a good mindset. Just PMSing. It's okay. Like, you know, I'm going to come at you if I have something wrong with you. He's like, yeah, you've kind of come at me when like you're mad at me or whatever. And we've kind of had a conversation. So I didn't think you were mad at me, but I wanted to ask. I was like, well, I'm glad you asked, but I am okay. I'm just, you know, mindset ain't right right now, and I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings by something I emotionally say. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah. So, like, it just, I knew my, I know myself. So, but that's probably the biggest thing um, that I've learned in my real estate career has been the communication is huge. You have to communicate, and I think our generations are just getting worse and worse at communicating, and we just need to teach the kids how to do this. And I say kids. I still get called a kid, but we got to teach the kids how to communicate on another level and try to get up here and educate the, I guess, the older generations that this world is changing. Right. And we all need to keep working together at it. So I I guess like going for a little bit but i kind of want to talk about this uh, if you got time yeah the communication with the younger generation how do you go about breaking into that and like uh changing their mindset about how communication is done so that's hard with uh the younger generation because they just want to sit on their phone and a lot of the time they'll blow you off mm-hmm. and won't even make a meeting or won't even text you back and it's a complete ghost um well like I, my, my my oldest he's 12 mm-hmm. and like you talking about that getting the younger generation and like i've done a pretty piss poor job about trying to get him to be more communicating his feelings and where he's at you know in his mind space and everything else because i've just, I just been really shitty at it there's no other excuse other than i failed at that department and, you know and like you bring that up and i'm curious on like what you know the younger generation, like his generation, mm-hmm. do we just completely nuke all social media, internet? No. I mean, like, 
I'm a huge supporter of the like social media stuff. So I'm on the complete opposite yeah. point of view. Yeah. But I believe that it can be a tool um, for the future. I think it can be a huge tool for revenue. I think it can be a huge tool for business. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the way in which it's used is typically everyone uses it for social situations. Um, misused. I think, yeah, misused. Kind of like the internet and everybody. But uh, you've got the most intelligent computer in your pocket and you use it to look up porn. Correct. Yeah. Like, why can't we look it up for a different reason? So something I do with my son, he's almost five. Um, like when he gets mad or something, I let him cool off for a little bit because he is the most stubborn thing in the whole world. Mm. He is just like he is spicy. And I, <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> I only had one. Like he is spicy. And I'm like, oh, I know where he got it from. He got it from his mom. <laughs> And so um, I let him cool off and then we talk about it and he says, I'm mad or I'm sad or, and then we talk through it and I tell him, I say, your emotions are valid. Like what you're feeling is okay. We can be mad. We can be sad. We can have these emotions. However, we need to talk to each other and say, mom, you did this and it made me feel this way. And that's where I want to get to with communicating mm-hmm. with the younger generation. Um, I also have a, is she 20? I think she's 22. I have a 22 year old bartender. That's my husband's assistant at the bowling alley. And I have known this girl since she was probably three years old. So her and I go way back and her and I are going through this communication process as well. She's a very intelligent individual, um, emotionally intelligent. She is the little sister I never had. And so we have talks all the time about what we need to do versus mm-hmm. what does happen. And I apologize to her and I help her realize where I'm at in my situation and why I reacted the way I reacted instead of responding. And then she'll tell me, how she felt about those situations. I think you have to have the right individual who wants to talk about this stuff to grow a relationship. And that's where communication comes into relationships. You have to communicate your feelings, your thoughts. And like you said, for one comment, we can't hold people's feet to the fire. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is a huge thing. Just because someone thinks something doesn't mean they're like demonized. Right we have to take accountability for what we do, what we say. And I understand we have kind of this, this is kind of borderline on this snowflake mentality. But when we offend someone, we need to ask them, why did I offend you? And what are the reasons behind why I offended you? Not just, oh, I offended you, you're a fucking snowflake. Right. Right off, done. Like, no, let's not fucking do that anymore. Right. Okay, I understand I offended you. In which way, why did I offend you? And, like, what are your reasons behind this? Because I want to know genuinely as a person, why did I offend the core in you? Because the core in them is who they are. Mm -hmm. And this is where people decide whether you're a part of their tribe or not. We need to get a little more open-minded on... Yeah, okay, we offended. 
okay, but why? And okay, let's talk about my perception, your perception, and what maybe happens in the middle. Because what you're feeling is not accurate, Mm -hmm. never is accurate about what's going on. Your emotions and your feelings are not fact. Until you sit down and sit with that person that upset you or communicated something in a way that you don't want to accept, like we have to start building them bridges because we're not all the same and we can't all be the same. All right. Because if we were all the same, we'd be fucking boring. Yeah, pretty boring. Really boring. Well, but I guess like uh, I'll, I've never, I was never really raised with emotions. Like I, no. there was, there was not a whole lot of emotions given from my father to me or any other male figure. Correct. It was, uh, you better do this or I'm going to whoop your ass kind of thing. And yep. I, I've tried really super hard not to carry that with my kids. I mean, I, I, I ruled a pretty hard iron fist, but behind that iron fist, there's love and there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's, uh, tenderness. I don't yeah. know. But, but, you know, like we get compliments on our boys all the time. It's always your boys are so well behaved and, you know, Kendall, he's excels at school and, you know, and everything else. And that's a lot to do with the people involved in his life, not just me, but, you know, his stepmom, Sarah, she has a lot to do with that. His mother has a lot to do with that. And he's kind of, I, w- I wouldn't say he fears me, but I think he respects me. Yeah. But like I said, I, I've done a, such a piss poor job at that communication with him. I just don't, I've never, I was never a life skill that I was taught as a kid, as as an adult, as anything, you know, growing up to be a man, this is what it means to be a man. This is what you're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. And if you don't like it, sorry, see you later. Mm -hmm. Find the next guy. I think our generations are getting better at that because we were raised without the um, emotional talks, like Mm -hmm. just fucking do it or you're going to get your ass swapped. Like, right. and that's what it was. That's how we were raised. And I think our generation understands that our emotions were not valid. We created a lot of non-working behaviors for ourselves, a lot of bad habits that we cope with. And um, I believe that our generation wants to see our kids do better. Yeah. So like I encourage people when you get, when your kid's in trouble, and I understand we all react rather than respond sometimes mm-hmm. and it, it happens but what I encourage people to do and what I've been trying to do I know I'm only like tiptoed into the parenting world I got a five-year-old like what do I fucking know okay. but what I've been watching on like I do a mixture of gentle parenting and a mixture of the iron fist because my son will run me over and when he's 12 he's probably going to outgrow me and I need to get a handle on this relationship now <laughs> right so um, what I try to do is I tell people, yeah, make your response of what is going to happen and why the choices that the kid made led to the decision that the parent made. And then after that kid has had some time to process, go back and talk with that kid and be like, do you understand? And have a completely level-headed, open-minded conversation with them. And make them understand why you made that decision and why it benefits them and what you're trying to accomplish there. Because if you don't have, again, you don't have those expectation meetings and that communication barrier there, your kid is just going to think it's just because dad said so. What the fuck does this mean? And so 
I think that's the barrier that we need to start breaking down with our kids. It's not just because I say so. It's mm-hmm. because of your safety. I want to know. There's things I do. Like I'll write down on a piece of paper with my husband and be like, this is where I'm going. I'm going to go snoop around this house and see what I can find. It's this address. It's here. Whatever. Like that's for my safety. And those are checkpoints that I put in place. But I think if we can do this with our kids, our kids are going to grow up a lot more emotionally intelligent. And I think that's what we need. We need kids that are going to be emotionally intelligent and be able to handle their emotions because right now we have a whole breed of people that are, fuck your feelings, I don't care. And I'm like, if you don't care, where is this community going? You have to care. We have to live intentionally. But I see. I don't think that they don't care. I think it's the strong man attitude that they have because mm-hmm. they they were coddled too much as a kid and they, they got made fun of. They were bullied, and so now they have. They've grown up to now. They can have where they think their word is valid. Correct. They're browbeat too much, yeah. and their feelings were not validated. Yeah. So like, I don't think that people don't care. I think it's just. That's people's way of using their voice. Yes, I think so too. And like like you said, like we need to work on that as a community, very much so. Right. I think I think it's valuable. I think that if we can have those conversations, I think a lot of situations would turn out a lot better than they do now. Jolene has has some really amazing building blocks underneath it. It has some really fantastic principles. It has has the potential to be something. I mean, it's already one of the richest communities in the nation. It has the possibilities with Campbell County, Gillette are endless. And it, it's just going to take, you know, the olive branch to be extended and uh, accepted. And, Absolutely. And I, that's going to take, it's going to take some time to get the olive branch to be accepted, you know, like I can, you can offer people the chance to come on situations like this. I don't know how many other people in Gillette that have that are doing podcasts. Uh, I've, you know, but it's an easy way to get your message out. Yep. You know, and today has been a very excellent, excellent podcast. Uh, there was, I think, there's a lot in here. I can't wait to go back and re-listen to it and get it all edited down and whatnot, but. There's a lot of good information. I, you, you're on the right track. You Thank have, you. You have a lot of. You you have a lot of amazing, ideas and solutions to a lot of these problems, and I, and I, we need more people like you. We you know people that aren't running for office but are in part of the community, and want to see the community change for the better. And I think this is a great step, and hopefully you know people at Gillette will actually listen to to it. I don't that I can't force them as much as I'd love to get those <laughs> ratings up but but I, I really this is this is really on the right track this is this is exactly the reason why I wanted to start this podcast have these conversations and, I, and yeah. I really appreciate it I appreciate you having me this was fun I have never done anything like this and it was a lot of fun yeah. it's definitely different like I listen to podcasts on on my audible a little bit but like actually being part of a, a making of one, this is this is interesting and yeah. this is a whole new world. And I, I think you're on the right track of this too. Like this is gonna be something of the future that 
if we're not going to harness it, we need to teach our kids how to harness it. Right. Because jobs are just going to become a little bit more hard to find help anymore because online income is very lucrative. And if we can teach our kids how to work smarter, not harder, right. I, I want to see that future. I want to see people getting back home to their families. So I'd love to see this blow up for you because this is cool. And I appreciate it. We need to have more solutions. Exactly. Well, you got any plugs? Where can people find you? Uh, you uh, Bowling Alley, uh, your realtor account. Any? You got any social media that you want to plug? Events coming up? Um, shoot. So I'm usually at Energy Lanes. You can usually find me there. It's on That's 59. S- yep, Highway South. 59. Yep, it's right between uh, Wyoming Machinery and La Bear. Yep. So we just remodeled that, and I'm usually found there. Um, I'm very virtual as an agent. Uh, I do help people buy and sell homes. Um, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube. Yeah, I'm on a few different channels. You can find me. Um, I'm usually accessible by my phone all the time. My phone's always with me, but that's the life as a real estate agent. Your phone's always with you. Um, Yeah. I'm all over social media, so I use it as a tool, though. A lot of people use it for bullshit. Right. I think uh, using it as a tool is a much better way. Yeah. We, we got a Facebook page for We'll Drink to That, and I think we're like 1,100 people that follow it and like it. And I I, I just I have a hard time really posting anything on it because it's just – I screwed up and I paid for some. I paid for some posted or some boosted posts, mm-hmm. and ever since then, like my following has gone down. If I don't boost the post, I get like two people see it. So okay. I, and but I think a lot of it has to do with the content that I put out. It's, it's mm-hmm. probably more of that. So we're getting black, you know, uh, backlash for that. Mm-hmm. I've been kicked off a few times for stuff I've posted. So Have I mean, you used hashtags or got into that world? No that helps me a little bit because yeah, I've gotten into some areas of, so Facebook doesn't allow any sort of cannabis products. And I was doing a CBD business for a while and I got red flagged and told that my shit isn't right and not accurate and blah, 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 and kind of got dinged that way. And I've been building since then. I still have about 4,000 followers on my Facebook and, um, I need to keep building at it. But when I use hashtags versus not hashtags, I get a lot more engagement with the hashtags. Mm. And you got to just find the hashtags that work for you and what kind of message you're putting out. Well, um, it's just more like memes and hard, crude, harsh memes. Just stuff to laugh at. Stuff to laugh at. But yeah. still, in that post, you put hashtags. Yeah. Well, I, I try it. I, I don't, I'm not, like I said, I've never been really a big social media guy, but. But we can have, have you back on and have that conversation for another podcast. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you.